Hey, welcome to a special edition of the Silver and Black Pridecast. We are speaking post-game of the Raiders' big win over the Colts in Indianapolis. It was quite a win for the Raiders. They weren't not, not a lot was expected of them coming into this game after their big losses to the Chiefs and Vikings the previous two weeks. And so, I mean, to come out and be competitive was what most people were hoping for at the very least. And the Raiders came out and did a lot more than just look competitive. They, well, they won the game first and foremost. They came out and they won in several areas. They started out by uh, driving the ball right down the field for a touchdown. The Their first touchdown pass went to Foster Moreau on a play that wasn't even supposed to go to Foster Moreau. As Gruden and uh, Derek Carr pointed out after the game that that was a play that was where Darren Waller was the first read. And they had tried it once in training camp and uh, actually ended up going to Foster Moreau that time. But he thought that that was an anomaly, that that was not something that would happen in a game. And lo and behold, they get in the game, and uh, he looked to Waller, and the safety, he read his eyes and broke to uh, to cover Waller, and it left Moreau, Moreau open again, so Carr threw it for him for the touchdown. So that was, uh, that was a great way to start the game, but it didn't end there. Mainly one of their issues they've had this season was what do they do after that first drive, after those first couple drives. And granted, not I mean, last week against the Vikings, they didn't do a lot early in the game. But before that, uh, that's where they scored most of their points, where they did most of their damage was the first drive or the first couple of drives. And the question was, what would the Raiders do off script? Because those first, that first drive or those first couple of drives are often uh, scripted drives. So the question was, could they sustain it? Could they keep it going? And they did keep it going after that first touchdown drive. And they went right back down and scored again. This time it wasn't even a drive. It was one play. The defense held up and forced the Colts to punt deep in their own territory and gave them pretty solid field position at their own 40. And newcomer Trevor Davis, they had him go across the formation. Once again, it was a play that wasn't designed to go to the player that it went to. In this case, it was designed for J.J. Nelson, but J.J. Nelson was out of the game because he had felt some tightness in, in his leg, according to one of the reports. And, and it sounds like maybe that was a, an issue that, that cropped up um, the day before because it sounded like when Derek Carr spoke about it, they weren't even sure the day before whether J.J. Nelson was going to be able to go, and he didn't end up going. And Trevor Davis suddenly, nine days after signing with the team, was a starter. So in comes Trevor Davis. They send him across the formation on a sweep, and um, and it opens up. And he got some good blocking and used his 4-3, 4-4 speed, whatever it is. It doesn't really matter what it was because he ran 60 yards for the touchdown. So that... Uh, we were like midway through the first quarter and the Raiders are up 14 to nothing, which is not something they have experienced this season. It's their biggest early lead. But again, it wasn't done there. The, the Colts scored their own touchdown off of a fumbled exchange between Carr and uh, Josh Jacobs. But the Raiders then came right back after that turnover and took it right back. 
And this time it was to Terrell Williams finally getting getting a pass to somebody who's one of the usual suspects you might expect to be making catches and and scoring for the Raiders. So going that put them up 21 to seven, which is pretty impressive for a team that you consider was struggling on offense all season long. Even against the Broncos, they weren't fantastic on offense and the and the Broncos as we found out today are just a plain terrible team so the so as the season goes along you look at their first win you're thinking wow we had such high hopes for the team with how well they played in that opener but the fact that the Broncos can't defend anything I mean they just they just saw the Jaguars come back and march right down the field late in the game and kick the game-winning field goal to go to 0 and 4 so they're clearly a terrible team, not the kind of team you judge your team on. You don't think, wow, they beat the Broncos. They must be a good team. You think they beat the Broncos. Well, they're supposed to beat the Broncos. Every team's supposed to beat the Broncos. Beating a team like the Colts, who came into this game 2-1 and one, and had some, had some pretty good players on it, even though they're banged up as well, I mean, that's an accomplishment in and of itself. It shows you that the Raiders can at least be competitive, and it makes you look at maybe these last couple of games against the Chiefs and the Vikings and say, well, you know, those are two really good teams. You know, the, the Chiefs, it doesn't matter that they're where they're playing. The Chiefs are, are arguably the best team in the NFL. Then you go to the Vikings, and they're, they're a really tough team, especially in Minnesota. And so you kind of expect the Raiders are going to lose those games. Obviously, you don't expect them to lose them as badly as the Raiders did lose their game against the Vikings. But uh, you come into this game now and, and, you know, everybody's kind of down in the dumps. And you, you're looking at this Colts team and you're saying uh, you know, the, the ra- way the Raiders have looked, beating on, the only team they beat, the only team they looked even competitive was against the one of the worst teams in football and you think they're not going to be able to hang even with a banged up Colts team. And they did. To their credit, they did. And it's even more of a credit when you figure that the Raiders were just as banged up as the Colts, if not more so. I mean, just before the game, finding out that J.J. Nelson was injured and realizing that their receiving core, just how, just how bad their receiving core looked on paper. I mean, you have Terrell Williams. He's still your number one, and that's that's good. He's a talented receiver. But after that, you have a fifth-round rookie in Hunter Renfro, who has, I think, nine catches on the season. And then you have undrafted Keelan Doss, who coming into this game didn't have a catch yet this season. He's been inactive two of, the th- two of the three games. And then you have Trevor Davis, who was just signed nine days ago, and clearly at this point is not going to know the offense. And, you know, because Dwayne Harris is also injured, so they don't have him available. And, and you have just a not a good-looking group of receivers. That first drive of the game where they drove down for the touchdown they there were six passes thrown and only one of them went to a receiver they went it went to hunter renfo for 10 yards the rest of them went you got two passes to darren waller and two passes to foster morell including the touchdown and then a pass to deandre washington and so the raiders did a really good job of working around the fact that they just didn't have a receiving core that was worthy of fielding and you know, credit to John Gruden and uh, and the offense and Derek Carr and everybody for distributing the ball to the to the playmakers they did have. You know, speaking of playmakers they did have, Josh Jacobs. I mean, he again went over 100 yards of offense, and finally they got him involved in receiving game. I thought that was huge. That fumble, notwithstanding, you know, he made up for it the rest of the day. Along with the over 100 yards from scrimmage, he also had the last two carries on that final drive to. 
to run the clock out and, and uh, preserve the victory. So he's looked really good uh, this season, and I think he, he set a Raiders record. Yeah, he set a Raiders record for yards in the first four games of the season, surpassing a record that uh, um, Derek McFadden once belonged to him. Um, but, you know, nobody wants to compare him to Derek McFadden, and there really is no comparison to him. He and Darren McFadden. McFadden was was an upright runner with you know his little thin calves and and his, and he got taken down fairly easily. He had to do a lot of open field running to get his yards. And uh, Josh Jacobs is not in any way that type of back. There were a couple of times there where you just if you watch him, you're just really impressed with his ability to. He shows great patience for the hole to open up, and when it opens up, he wastes no time shooting through it. There, were, There's one run that he had where he did it twice on the same run. He he was uh, waiting for his blockers to set up. He shot through the first gap, then waited again and shot through another gap and picked up, I think, like 15 yards on that run. He had a few chunk plays like that, so he looked really good in this game. And that's saying a lot, especially when you consider they were having they were having some issues on the right side, at least, of the offensive line. Jordan DeVay, who was filling in for Gabe, ja- Gabe Jackson, who's out with an MCL tear, he suffered a, a pectoral muscle at some point in the game and had to be replaced by Denzel Good, who's at this point the, you know, he's, he's the backup guard. Thankfully, he actually is a decent guard, and he filled in for Gabe Jackson last season, so you wouldn't say it's really a big drop-off. He played some right guard over the first couple games while Incognito was out and DeVay was lined up at left guard, so, you know, it's not like, you know, they're scraping the bottom of the barrel or anything like that, so that's good. But Trent Brown also, the right tackle, he he had some issues with a hand injury. It's his, the latest in several injuries he's had this season, including an ankle injury and a knee injury. And he was in and out of the game, and David Sharp was coming in for him, and he, uh, David Sharp held his own pretty well. But, you know, you, you have this revolving door at any position, even if you're, they're talented players. You know, coming in at the, at the uh, spur of the moment, last minute at any point, is not ideal. You know, offensive linemen need that continuity. They need to get used to each other. And when you're rotating them in and out like that, it can make for a difficult situation. And yet they were still, they held up pretty well. Derek Carr was sacked just one time for no yards lost. That's damn good pass protection against a pretty good pass rushing team. And, you know, Josh Jacobs was able to average 4.6 yards per carry on the ground. And so it was a pretty good day for them despite their adversity. Adding to the issues was the ejection of Vontez Perfect, laying a helmet-to-helmet hit. And I've seen some people try to discount it and say that it was uh, BS or whatever, but there was nothing BS about that. He absolutely lowered his head and drove his crown, the crown of his helmet into um, Colts tight end Jack Doyle um, over the middle. And there was just no way he was not going to get a flag. The only question is whether it was going to be ejection worthy. It was. And now the question is if that is going to then lead to a suspension as well. He's certainly going to see a hefty fine, but will he be suspended for it is the question. So we'll wait for that to happen, see if he's available against the Bears next week. But uh, losing him, it's a big hit for the so to speak, for the defense. He is the quarterback of the defense, obviously. He's the middle linebacker. So they need him out there. He's the brains of the operation, if you will, even though sometimes his play on the field is not the smartest in in the moment. 
that you'd like to see, and it's the reason why he has a history of getting ejected from games and getting suspended for games because of you know dirty play. And you just you you knew when he was signed what you were getting. You're getting a guy who knows how to run the run the defense, and when he's has his wits about him, he's one of the smartest linebackers in the league. He's a he's a hard nosed player who's going to give you everything he's got on the field. The problem is he's going to give you a little bit extra. He's going to give the offense a little bit extra, and that may be just fine on four plays. But on that fifth play, when when he goes a little bit too far, it's it's going to cost him, and it's going to cost the team. So they lost him, and Tahir Whitehead had to step in at middle linebacker. Whitehead is the most experienced linebacker on the team. He leads them. He led them in tackles last season. He's had some experience at middle linebacker, so it's not a completely foreign thing. And again, they just picked up and kept going. Uh, myself, I was especially impressed with the play of the secondary. Uh, there's a lot. There's a lot of good things to speak of about this this team. I mean, I mean, I can go back. You know, you say the defensive line held up really well when you consider just how good the Colts' offensive line is. Uh, Marlon Mack was held to 39 yards on 11 carries. It's three and a half yards per carry. Part of that was the fact that the Raiders got up 14 to nothing and 21 to seven early. So the Colts were having to put the ball in the air a lot more, but the defensive line, they had four defensive tackles active for the game. We usually only have three. They had uh, Hankins and Hurst and Hall and uh, Legit came up for the first time and they rotated them through to make sure that they had energy on the field all the time to handle what the Colts offensive line was going to be giving them and they held up pretty well but back to what I was saying that I mean the secondary you look at the stats and you don't think it's anything you know special anything fantastic Brissett had 265 yards passing and three touchdowns he only completed 24 of 46 passes so it was almost 50 percent of his passes which is not great and the safeties, uh, Carl Joseph came up, had a lot of really nice hits. Daryl Worley had st- and, and Gary Ann Conley both had sticky coverage all day. And, of course, the big play that basically sealed the win was Eric Harris stepping in front of that Brissett pass out left and returning it 30 yards for the touchdown. You can't say enough about what the, what the secondary was able to do in this game. They, they had to step up. The Colts were going to be putting the ball in the air. And... Brissett knew that he was going to have plenty of protection. He did. Raiders got no sacks. They barely touched him most of the day. And the secondary just stepped up and they held their own. You look at that that late drive the Colts had for a touchdown, but that was too late. You'd like the Raiders to be able to stop it, but you know, kudos to the Colts for pushing the ball down the field and uh, and in desperation time, just driving down for a touchdown. You can't do that all the time because you take those chances all the time, you're going to turn the ball over a lot more. But they didn't on that one, and they came back within a score. But there's so little time left on the, on the clock that all the Raiders needed was one first down to kneel the clock out. And they got that and uh, put the game away. So there's a lot of a lot of good things you can say about the about what the Raiders did in the game. I haven't even mentioned Max Crosby, who had a couple of balls that he batted down at the line, uh, and you know he's been stepping up as a rookie, especially when you consider Benson Mayoa was unexpectedly not playing in the game. He suffered a knee injury this week, 
on Thursday, but he was back to being a full participant on Friday and taken off the injury report. So you think when that happens, there's no reason why he shouldn't be on the field. I mean, after all, he is the Raiders sack leader. He has three and a half of their five team sacks. So most of the pass rush has come from him. And to have him inactive, it's like, okay, well, where's where's the pass rush going to come from? And they may not have gotten much in the way of pass rush in this game, but the Crosby did what he's supposed to do. And that is, if you can't get to the quarterback, get in, get in his passing lane, get your hands up. And he did. He knocked a couple of passes down and... And uh, and he's he's looked really good, and you know Gruden had a lot of good things to say about him as he should. So really, even though it was a it was a hard fought game, it was a one score game in the end. It was pretty much a an an all team effort by the Raiders. They got contributions from a lot of unexpected places. They got uh, their tight ends were in the mix. They they got. The big play from the newcomer receiver. They got the big play to the to the number one receiver. They got Josh Jacobs back on track. They got the ball to him in the receiving game. So that was great. The safeties and corners they they had a they had a great game. And uh, you know, of course, the interception for the touchdown. It pick six. You know, you just like you can just check all the boxes. Essentially, is what I'm saying of what the Raiders were able to do in this game to get the lead and hold the lead and then seal the win at the end. So until I look at the tape, I, I can't see a lot, of, a lot of negatives, at least none that really jump out as glaring. I mean, other than, you know, the Vontez perfect um, getting ejected thing. And I guess there was the fumble. You, want, you don't want to see that. But overall, they won the turnover battle. And that's really, as we all know, the turnover differential is pretty much a telltale sign of whether you win or lose a game. And the Raiders took the ball away twice, once uh, on Max Crosby, uh, forcing a fumble that uh, Carl Joseph recovered. And then on the Eric Harris pick six, both of which, of course, were huge turnovers. And they made up for the fumble on the, I guess it was a RPO attempt between Carr and uh, Jacobs. So they pretty much... uh, they won all those areas, and they needed it. They needed to win in all those areas. Even if everyone was healthy, they're not a talented enough team to win unless they have an overall good game across the board. And especially with the adversity they're going through right now with all the injuries and, and everything that they're struggling with. They absolutely uh, needed every area to step up, and every facet of the game did step up, and they uh, they came out with a win. So now they hop a flight. They're probably already well underway probably over a large ocean at the moment on their way to London where they're going to spend the week preparing for the Bears they uh, will do so without Gabe Jackson he's not going to be back until after the bye week and they'll do so with questions on to on whether Vontez Burfick's going to be available whether J.J. Nelson's going to be available whether Trent Brown's going to be available for that matter because he's got his issues his injury issues and they're going to need him more than ever, obviously, because in most cases, it's going to be him lining up across from Khalil Mack. Really, the entire Bears defensive line is one you have to worry about. So it's unfortunate that they are nowhere near full strength, at least on that right side. But uh, they, it could be worse. I mean, they have Incognito in there now with a couple of games under his belt. Good has his experience at the right guard spot so he's not just coming in 
out of nowhere. And uh, should Trent Brown be able to go and suffer no ill effects from his knee and ankle and hand injury, he'll do his best to keep Khalil Mack from getting in the backfield and sacking his old draft mate. Uh, but until then, they'll, they'll have a few practices over in jolly old England before taking the field. And, uh, and I'll be over there to, to, uh, to witness it firsthand, just like it was last year. Always loved that trip over to London. And I will uh, hopefully talk to you all after that game. And we'll see if the, what if the tone of that podcast is as positive as the tone was for this one. One way or the other, I will be speaking to you again soon. Thanks again for listening to the Silver and Black Pridecast. <laughs>